What a blessing to celebrate the death and the, um, the death of the old man and the resurrection of Christ, what he has brought us. Today I want to talk about the vengeance of God and what grace actually is. You know, we can come to the conclusion if we study scripture that the grace of God is actually also can, um, it's incorporated into the vengeance of God. Uh, when we look at grace and what grace really is, we see that grace is the influence upon people's hearts, it's the influence upon uh, the human race unto them experiencing the fullness of God. Now, um, inside that, there's something that is called vengeance. And when we look at this vengeance of God that we're going to read and we're going to study out a little bit about the, the ways of God, um, what God's ways actually are and how He function, um, when we study that out, we find that our hearts our hearts come to a place of rest, it comes to a place of peace, it comes to a place of comfort. And that is exactly what God has got in mind for you today and for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, I love, um, you know, seeing what's happening in our web fellowship as we see people just maturing in the gospel, not because of our efforts, but just because of, um, it's just a fruit of the true gospel. Glory to God. You know, this morning, uh, somebody came to um, our local fellowship and he said, he said to me, Bertie, what do you say about um, speaking to your soul or confessing and that kind of a thing? I said to him, you know, one thing that I, am, that I do know is that I'm not going to confess something I don't believe. Um, I'm not going to try and confess something that contradicts my heart. Uh, if, if I feel that there's fear, I would rather go and say, I've got fear in my heart, but I've got a God that I can go to, although I have fear, and He can persuade my heart to the point that my heart does not fear anymore. Um, and He can love me into that. You know, God has come to uh, share the highest quality of life with us. And the only way wherein we can have access uh, unto that life is by Him loving us into it. Now you might say, Bert, you know, what about the vengeance of God? What about the anger of God? And, um, you know, all of those things. Now we're going to just uh, look at Isaiah here. Let's go to Isaiah 55. And we're going to just start off by talking about um, just the ways of God that's higher than our ways. Um, Isaiah 55 says, in, from verse 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let them turn unto the Lord, and He will have mercy on him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and returns not back, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that grows forth out of my that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that to which I please, and it and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. For you, in the end of the day, and this is what what will take place in your life. He says, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the 
fir tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree and it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, um, in this piece of scripture, we have got a verse here that has confused man for such a long time. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Now that has condemned us in a very great way because, um, because of a wrong understanding. And what we thought is, our way can be a way where we say, well, I want to have peace, I want to have joy, I want to I have a nice life, all those kind of things. I just want a happy family and whatever. But we don't know if it is the way of God. God's ways are mysterious and higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And how will we know what the will of God is? It might even be the will of God to take away, um, you know, my wife or children or something like that. And who knows the ways of the Lord? Uh, what God says here, he says, <laughs> let the wicked forsake his way. So the wicked has got a way. What does wickedness mean? What does evil mean? Wickedness uh, is, when something is wicked, it means it's twisted. He says, let the people who's got a way that is twisted forsake their way. Now what happened uh, in the Garden of Eden was that Adam, uh, or that Satan came to Adam and Eve, and what he basically did was he just twisted the truth, which then becomes a lie, but he twisted it in a way. And this is the twist. God gave you all this ability, and you can now look at God. You don't have to trust God. You can actually not trust God to give you his life for free. He's given you an ability um, by your own works through the empowerment of what he's given you. And by that works, by the knowledge of good and evil, you can actually then uh, share in his life um, or have his quality of life and preserve your life forever. That is what, what he was saying. So God gave things to man for free. But the reason why God gave Adam the, uh, the ability to have high knowledge, the, the ability to, you know, to, I'm, I'm just going to use a language that we can understand, to walk in the gifts and supernatural things and those kind of things. The reason why he gave that to Adam was not that Adam could attain unto the life of God by those things. And Satan came and just twisted that a bit. It became wicked. So here he says, let the wicked man forsake his way. Um, and the wickedness that there is, is this. You cannot trust God to give you eternal life and peace and joy for free. You cannot trust Him. One of the things uh, where we still see a twisted way of, of, of thinking about things is we say that, um, we, we, we think that uh, we cannot trust God to bring forth um, freedom from sin in our life. It's almost a message of repent of your sin and God will reward you with heaven. Where the gospel is not the message of stop your sins and because you stopped your sin God will reward you with heaven. No, the, the gospel is the message where the, where the power that brings forth sin in your life has been conquered by God and He brings forth 
the fruit of His Spirit in you, which will lead you unto eternal life by His Spirit. That is um, the, the whole thing. So here it says, it starts off um, in verse 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. An unrighteous man is a man that does not walk in the very righteousness of God, since God is the only righteous. Let every man that does not think that he is righteous on account of God's righteousness, for we shall be made the righteousness of God by Christ Jesus. In other words, um, plus the innocence that is given to us. Let every man that thinks he stands guilty before God, let every man that thinks that God is upset with him about things all the time, let him forsake his thoughts. It's unrighteous to think that God's not friendly. It's unrighteous to think that God deals with you based on your works. And we see Jesus Christ came and he declared the thought of God to man. What was the thought of God? The thought of God was these sinners, these people that are lost in the world, they are my people. And I love them. And the thought of God was I want to live amongst these people. The thought of God wasn't, I want to separate me from people because they've got sin. The thought of God was, I'll come and live amongst them and then deliver them from what destroys them. That is the thought of God. So any unrighteous thought or uh, unrighteousness in man would be where you uh, stand against the goodness that God has come to reveal. The goodness that is for free. Um, unrighteousness would also be defined as uh, human ability to, or, or, or the thought or the belief that you think that you can, you, you stand right, you are as you ought to be to try and find life by your good works. Um, so he says here, let these people forsake it. Then he says there, for, um, um, excuse me, I just want to, I don't want to miss the uh, part of verse 7 here. He says, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So what he says here, he says, let the unrighteous and the wicked forsake his way and his thought, um, and let him repent of what he believed about God. For our God shall have mercy. What is mercy? God will treat us better than what we thought we deserved by works. To have compassion, the very mercy, to have the ability to, to, to be united with somebody and co-feel and co-think with that person. Um, to have compassion, that is, God will have mercy and abundantly pardon. So don't think that God is the one who's going to punish all the time. Forsake your, your evil way in thinking that. For our God will abundantly pardon. And hasn't the Lord done that already 2,000 years ago? Glory to God. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then he goes on and he says that his word and his thoughts and his, what he thinks will not return void unto him. You know, the ways of man is a way that cannot produce fruit. He says, my ways and your ways are not the same. For your way, which we know is 
the way unto eternal life by works. That way can never bring forth fruit. It will be a word that falls on the ground, sinks into the ground, and brings forth no fruit. But he says, my way is different. The way of God, which we're going to still discuss, the way of God is a way that will, when it hits the human heart, it can produce fruit in that heart. So when he talks about his way is higher than our way, what he's actually saying is, is that his method of bringing forth fruit and bringing forth eternal life is a much higher way than what we had in mind. The way wherein God brings forth eternal life is very simple. He loves you into it. He kindness you into it. He mercies you into it. He pampers you into it. He, 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 he incarnates your deepest despair and enters it. And then from there, He would conquer it and show forth the word of promise which is stronger than your deepest despair. That is the way of God. That is the highest way. That is the way God uh, deals with us. That is the way God lives. He's come to love us into His righteousness. He's come to love us into His peace. He's come to love us into His joy. Glory to God. Right. Let us um, read. Yeah, we can. I, I don't want to skip this. Let's just quickly look at um, verse uh, 13 here or 12. He says, The way of God is higher, for the way of God will leave you in a place where you will have joy. This is what it says here. It says, For you shall go out with joy. It says, it says that his way is higher than our way. For our way does not lead us out in joy. You know the, the law, the message wherein you are judged by your works, will never lead you out with joy. It will never bring you peace. But the way God has brings peace. And what is this way? We will still look at that. He says here, instead of the thorn or the fruit of the curse, will come up, a fir tree, instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle tree, and this shall be to the Lord for a name. Now, what is he saying here? He says, my way is higher than your way. And when I have my way, it will leave you flooded with joy, flooded with peace, the mountains and the trees will break forth before you. They will clap their hands. There will be great joy. There will be an applause of the great, the, the great structures of this world, the great things of this world, the, the people of this world. They, when they look at your peace and your joy, they will clap their hands. The mountains, when I look at mountains there, I look at places like Sinai and, and obstacles. They will break forth. They, they will say, man, we, we see what God's doing in your life. And that is not, and I'm not talking about a confess it and try and live a high pro financial prosperous life in this world and those kind of things. I'm not talking about that. Thank God for that. But what I'm talking about here is um, 
taken together in verse 13, he says, instead of the thorn trees, will come up trees that are useful and beautiful. And the fact that God would get it right to produce inside you, free from your effort, because of His way, that's higher than our way, where we can simply rest and trust Him, that will be a name unto the Lord. And then goes on and says, that shall not be cut off, that shall not die. That cut off means die. So he says here, the fact that um, he will bring forth fruit in you will be a name unto him. Now what does that mean? The Bible says you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know, last night in our web fellowship, we were talking and, 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 uh, and somebody there said that of ourselves we can do nothing. And then I remember, remembered what another preacher said. He said, what about of yourself you can do nothing? Don't you understand? <laughs> we have to come to the place and the realization that it's all about God bringing forth His fruit. This is the gospel. This is the good news. The good news is that God has seen His people in despair and that He made great effort to bring us out of that and we can just simply trust Him. It's like a person that needs a lifesaver. What do you do when the lifesaver swims up to you and he, he wants to save you? You need to trust Him. Trust Him for what? That He can save your life. Now, let's go to Isaiah 61. And we're going to take this a bit further. It says, um, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of of vengeance of our God, and then it explains what this, this acceptable year of the Lord and the vengeance of God is, and what fruit it will have, it will comfort those who mourn. In other words, the vengeance of God will comfort those who mourn. Now, vengeance, if you go and study what vengeance is, it actually means um, to punish. To punish some, somebody for what he's done. Um, to, to, to get someone back. That would almost be vengeance. To pour out your anger. So here it says that if God can, the, the outpouring of God's anger will have comfort as a fruit in the lives of people. Now that, so we need to ask ourselves this question, what is this, this, this vengeance then? This is what he says. He says, he comes and he says, he, he, he says, this is the year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. So this year of the Lord, the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the day of Jubilee, is the year of the vengeance of our God. Now, what is this vengeance and how does God take vengeance? It is written in verse 1. It says, um, he has come to preach good tidings to the meek or to the poor. In other words, people were in poverty 
And because they were in poverty and they believed the voice of poverty, they were tortured by that poverty. And God decided to take vengeance upon the belief that states, if you are poor, if you are sick, if you are needy, if you have some sin, that, you, that it's a sign of a curse, the thorn tree. And he says, instead of that, I'll bring up the myrtle or the fir tree. So what he's saying there is, he says, that w what Jesus Christ came to do is to declare to every person on the planet that he is a friend of sinners. He's come to declare, he, take, he took vengeance on the lie. How did God take vengeance on the lie? By declaring the truth in such a powerful way that it destroys the lie. The lie was that God hates sinners. But God came, outside of trying to interpret scriptures, and He incarnated His truth, His vengeance, into a human being, and completely destroyed, utterly destroyed the concept of God is far from his people. God hates sinners. The Bible says he was a friend of sinners. He completely destroyed the concept that death shall reign and rule over man by taking all the sin of all people on one man and that man without doing good works and trusting in his works but simply relying on the Father was raised from the dead, declaring the truth of God's commitment towards man while we were still in our sin, while we were still in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, if you want to put it that way. So, here we can clearly see that Jesus has come to take vengeance upon certain things. What has He come to take vengeance on? What has He come to utterly destroy? Listen to what He says here. Um, He's come to preach good tidings to the meek. In other words, he's come to, and he has vengeance on bad news. He took vengeance on bad news because what he's doing here, what Jesus is doing in Isaiah 61, which was fulfilled in Luke 4, verse 15 to 17, 16 to 16, 17, 18, 19. What he's doing is he's declaring and explaining what the year of Jubilee is, what the year of God is, what the vengeance of our God is. So here we have got a God whose ways are higher than our ways. His ways of vengeance is, is not the way we would think of vengeance when somebody has wronged us. When somebody has wronged us, we want to kill him. When, when we have wronged God... He wants to destroy what has destroyed our thoughts. That we can come to a place where we can leave our wickedness. Where we can get rid of our unrighteousness and our unrighteous ways and thoughts. How? By declaring the truth. So here he has come and he has said, he's come to preach good news. He's come to bring good news. So the Spirit of God, the, the way God is, the Spirit of God, like we would say, and I've said it many times, the Spirit of football, or the Spirit of rugby, or the Spirit of tennis, or the Spirit of being in a holiday. In the same way, the Spirit of God was upon Jesus. 
And in other words, God's way of doing things, God's logic, God's basic principle of life was upon Jesus. The very core of God was upon Jesus and it enabled him to say, well, since I'm not in the spirit of the world, since I'm not in the spirit of works, I can tell people that are poor, you're the blessed. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now remember, when it says in verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, what he's doing is he's explaining. You'll see if you read the King James Version, it says there, and, and I, I want to read it as it, say, as it uh, is written, it says, to proclaim liberty unto the captives, comma, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, semicolon. Now, explaining further, that's why we've got that semicolon on there, explaining what is in verse 1. It says, this is, this is it, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, making, um, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, synonymous with saying, He's come to preach good tidings, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives. So when we talk about the vengeance of God, what are we saying? We are saying that God is taking vengeance on the fact that His people are captive. For the vengeance of God will leave you comforted. That's what it's saying. So... Um, the reason why I preach this and the reason why I say this is so that you, if there's any root of fear in your heart about who God is and how much He loves you, that it can be destroyed. And that your heart can be encouraged in, in, the, in the vengeance of our God. For He hasn't got vengeance on you. He's got vengeance on wickedness. He's got vengeance on unrighteousness. And He declares wickedness and unrighteousness here and declares all those things as a belief where there's bad news preached to the poor, bad news preached to the sick. And that bad news is the, in, the, in the Jewish time was, well, it was actually, the bad news was the voice poverty and sickness would bring. What would it mean to a Jew when he is poor? It would mean I'm cursed of God. What would it mean if you are sick? It means you haven't obeyed the law. And God is against you. Now he's come, and what has he done to all the sick? He's healed them. Why did he heal them? Because of the good they've done? No, he healed sick people. They were sick. They were people that were mentally sick. That Jesus healed so he came and when he, when he met the sick, he didn't say to the sick, you are the curse of God. He came and said, you are the beloved of God and healed them. And when he healed them, he gave the truth about them. Why? Because their sins were carried by Jesus. He carried my sins. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my diseases and he healed the sick and saying, I carry it, I heal you for there is a truth about you. And in that, what God did was, He came with a consuming fire, and He burned every tree of unrighteousness. He took an axe, and the axe was at the root, John the Baptist said, and He was chopping out every tree. 
He chopped out every tree, root and branch. He took it away and he cleansed his, his threshing floor. He burnt all the chaff. How did he burn that? He burnt it by what he's done. He has completely consumed the concept of an angry God. He's completely consumed the concept, the wrong concept of forgiveness. You know, we have this concept of forgiveness is that God will forgive us um, in the sense of not be angry with us. But, but Jesus destroyed that by coming and loving sinners and not showing anger towards them, but showing love. So what did he do? He burnt and destroyed that. And even the root of that was destroyed. And the only plant left after everything was destroyed was a little tender plant that came, out, uh, came up out of the root of Jesse. His name is Jesus, which is the only tree of righteousness, which is the only tree of life. That is what he is saying. So, church, and this is my message for you today. I don't want to... Uh, stretch this out too long. The grace of God is the influence of God on man in taking vengeance on, um, on what destroys us. Remember, the Bible says that, or, or the Greek definition of grace is the divine influence upon the heart. So what did God come to do? He came to heal the brokenhearted. How? By the acceptable here of God, explaining it what, what acceptable here is, which is also the day of vengeance of our Lord. If your child is taken captive by somebody and enslaved by somebody, um, your vengeance on what takes place when your child was kidnapped would be to destroy the kidnapper, to destroy that system and deliver your child and therefore your vengeance will comfort your child. I've used this example many times. If somebody is taken captive by uh, or, or, or uh, um, kidnapped and he becomes a drug dealer or if you look at this, these, uh, this movie, movie Blood Diamonds we find children shooting people, having guns, having no feelings, nothing. The only way you can comfort them is by bringing them to a place where their hearts cannot see the logic of murder anymore. Where their mind cannot have the mindset of a love for money anymore. And where the system that enslaves these people are destroyed. That would be vengeance. That would be utter destruction of the old. So, our God, the Almighty, came in His wrath, came, or let me put it this way, came in His anger, came in His vengeance, and we call it the acceptable year of God, the day of vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. To appoint, and now listen to what this day of vengeance will do. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. So what is the, the day of vengeance? It's when God gives beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Were you in a place where you were just mourning and uh, in difficulty and He gives you the oil of joy? Glory to God. The garment of praise 
for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, he came to give you praise. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So what he will do is, if the vengeance of God is revealed, it will bring forth something that will cause praise in our hearts. Glory to God. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Do you see how this trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, connects with Isaiah 55? Where, um, where he comes and he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. When my thought come, which is the thought of his vengeance against what destroys us, which is the way wherein he loves us unto righteousness, where he loves us unto a right belief, from where we experience his life, when that comes, the fir tree will come up instead of the thorn. And we will just see the blessedness of God in our lives. <laughs> Glory to God. Church, that's the message that I have for you today. I know it will impact your life greatly. Go and listen to this message, um, you know, a few times. Let it just touch your heart. Let it encourage you. Uh, you know, just listen to it over and over. And I know, you know, that great joy and great peace will flood your life as we see the vengeance of God manifest, um, you know, comfort in our hearts. Let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your vengeance. I want to thank you so much for the outpouring of um, your anger against what destroys us. It leaves us comforted. And you say that you will not leave us as orphans or uh, comfortless. And you have come and you've given the Holy Spirit, which is the comforter, in other words, we know that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness, the Spirit of truth, um, will always declare the day of vengeance of our God against what destroys us. And I want to thank you, Father, that we can bring this message to people today. We love you, Lord, for you first loved us. Amen, amen. I want to thank you so much for, for watching. I want to thank everybody that is part of this church, those people that... Um, give towards our fellowship. Thank you so much for that. I want you guys to, um, to keep watching my Facebook page. I will let you guys know when I'll be in the United States. Uh, I'll be in the US from, um, this is what we are planning, from the end of, or in April. I'll be in April and um, we'll see, you know, <laughs> where I'll be and wh when I'll be where, but uh, we've already got some invitations that we have confirmed. So uh, I'm excited about that. In this year to, go, to come, we're also planning to go to Canada, um, uh, uh, Victoria. We're going to minister there at the Grace, um, Grace Camp uh, and then also Europe. So I'm excited about all of this. Thank you so much, guys, for all your love and your support. You are the loved and blessed of God. Amen.